we do and that sort of thing. Well, yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Okay. Okay. Uh, my name's Ross. I'm 25 and uh, I work in sales in construction. And yeah, I mean, that's all we really <laughs> need to say for now. What about, what sort of education do you have? Oh, I've got a degree in psychology. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, and then maybe say something random about yourself, like a random fact. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst fucking thing okay, ever. Okay, maybe say, <laughs> um, describe your perfect, like, day <laughs> in your life. April 27th. <laughs> 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 okay, just you start, rather. Okay. That, the whole point is so that we... They'll learn. Okay. You don't have to tell them. All right. Okay. My name is Sarah. <laughs> I'm 26. I work as a medical scientist. I have an undergraduate in genetics, an honors degree in genetics, and a master's degree in medicine, yeah. which sounds much cooler because it's actually just... Also birth. severely more educated than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just because I, I enjoy studying. I enjoy learning about things yeah no one noticed and then <laughs> yeah that's about it I, I really enjoy biology and things so yeah I think uh, half the reason that we wanted to start this was because we often chat a lot about all sorts of stuff flip we go from anything to everything mm. um, and yeah well we kind of wanted to try that the YouTube thing for a little while that can be on the back burner I suppose perhaps yeah because I mean this is a, a good steady entry point to start with yeah. But yeah, that's always there. Yeah. Just if we get the confidence for it. But always like chatting. And then maybe other people would like to hear what we have to say. Yeah. And I think we have, for like young people in, you know, today's day and age, I think we have some pretty valuable insights. Um, or as any young person likes to think they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel I could probably share quite a bit about, you know. Yeah. Um, the science and the work that I've done. Hmm. And I feel that's quite interesting because, I mean, you don't meet a lot of people that, you know, work in the science field or are willing to share what they're working with. Yeah, I think that's um, probably more of it. That and I, and I enjoy talking sharing isn't you. often the uh, the forte. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe this is a way to do it. No, exactly. I, enjoy, I enjoy talking about it. So A way to get it going. Yeah. So I actually wanted to speak to you about a movie I watched recently by myself. Oh. Okay. Was it clueless? Um, no. <laughs> but I must admit, um, Clueless is one of those like weird movies that was literally it came out in the year we were born. Yeah, it was and, old nineties. Um, Not that old. For some reason it is just like a classic. Yeah. And it's like it's it's a really silly movie mm. <laughs> actually. But it deals with things that are pretty pertinent, um, in like even today in high school and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I know, but that, I know that that main actress in that movie, like, that's kind of the role that made her, I think. Mm. But I only ever think of her in Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed as that reporter. Oh, my word. <laughs> that's yes. the only... And that she's... Uh, I forgot she was in that movie. She's that scientist. Yes. Who's, like, wrapped up in that mask. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much where I know her from. And nowhere else. I completely else. forgot she was in that movie. <laughs> I didn't. She was out as hell. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> besides Yo, Clueless, besides yeah, Scooby-Doo, I watched uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. Oh, yeah. I saw, I watched the trailer for that. Yeah. So. It's got the dude from Escape Room in it. It's got a lot of very interesting actors, mm. including Ezra Miller, 
Is he in there? And I stand. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> amazing. I stand. Um, yeah, he's in there. The guy from Sky High is in there. Oh yeah. The main actor. Yeah. Um, the guy from Kings of Summer. <laughs> Bit. What what is his name? Uh, the short guy. Oh, um, Biagio in Biagio, Kings of Summer. Yes. Yeah. It was, it's, uh, He's from I'm Hannah sure Montana. it's like Moises something. Jose Moises or yeah, something? Uh, I, can't I can't remember. I really can't remember. But anyway, he's in there. Um, there's a lot of like very well-known actors. Mm. And I'll give the overall sort of like feel of the movie. Mm. It's uncomfortable. Well, yeah. It <laughs> um, wasn't, ba- it's based on a real thing. And that's what I actually wanted to talk about. Oh, gosh. So essentially, and I have notes on this because oh, I didn't want to get this wrong. <laughs> But there was a professor in 1971. So in the 1970s, I'm sure he probably wanted to do this for a while and kind of just set it up. But uh, it was Dr. Philip Zimbardo. And in actual fact, interestingly, he had a lot of like active inputs into the actual movie. Well, that's good. So he basically sat with them and went through it. I suppose it's good, but it also kind of lends to the fact that like what happened yeah, he's basically making it entertainment. Yeah, it was like, uh, I he's don't know. He's really banking I off still of that I still don't think, and I mean, I'll get to it in a minute, what actually happened. Obviously, it was very ethically questioned, I'm No, guessing. of course. And and I think this experiment is extremely famous um, because of what it supposedly showed, but also because it was, of uh, like, in, at the time, a lot of um, ethics was not put in place. Mm to protect um, you know students or people participating in studies from yeah, this non-paid kind of participants yeah. unpaid participants so essentially what happened um, is um, I think it was during their like summer holiday or something they put out an advert for um, students to partake in the study and it was supposed to be a two-week study mm-hmm. and they were gonna pay them like $15 per week which as you can imagine like or well, $15 per day I think it was as you can imagine, in like 1970s, that's like quite a chunk of money if you're going to be $15 staying. $15 per day. Yeah. And this was the 70s. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you're going to be staying in. Well, yeah, you're like basically staying in institutional free, poverty. Free food. Yeah. 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 So the Boarding whole premise of this project um, was to establish the effect of role playing, labeling, and social expectation on yes. human behavior. Yeah. Isn't the gist of it that they form a type of prison? Yes. Isn't it? With inmates and guards and all sorts of stuff like that. I just watched the trailer. The inmates and guards are actually the students that participate. Yes. And they were all men in the study. And they basically just took a corridor in Stanford University and set it up as a prison. Um, And I think they had three cells. And then in the cells, there were like sort of just beds. Mm. Um, There was nothing else really. And then in the corridor, there was also a cupboard, which they referred to in the movie um, as the hole, which I'm assuming is solitary. Yeah, it's solitary. Um, And I'm assuming that a lot of what was in the movie was actually pretty correct, um, since the the professor or the doctor did actually weigh in on a lot of the creative uh, sort of interpretation of the study. Um, so essentially what what then happened was that the guards were told that they were guards and they were uh, put into uniforms and given mirrored glasses so that they couldn't make eye contact with oh, the prisoners. What the flip? And um, then the prisoners, or quote-unquote prisoners, <laughs> it was the students, yeah. um, were arrested by real police. 
blindfolded and then handed over for this study. Yeah. And I think, which which I didn't actually sort of take note of in uh, the movie until much later on when it was actually pointed out. So real police took the volunteers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, into Why was the that study. necessary? I think it was just for more of like a realistic take. Oh, to like trying to get them into the mindset. Yeah. Have like a trigger. Yeah. So they take the boys in. And um, as I was saying, like I I didn't realize at first, but I think it's an important thing to note throughout this, is that there is no windows in Mm, this place that they're taking. So they actually lose a lot of their sense of time, Mm. which I think um, lends to a lot of what happened. But essentially, this is a really weird study. It it's very bizarre, and um, even in the movie, um, one of the uh, doctors, another professor or doctor or whoever, um, another academic, comes by and mentions to um, one of the guys running the study. He says, "Oh, what is the thing you're changing to see what's going to happen? Yeah, how are you going? How to are you going to actually like?" experiment on these or yeah. how is this an experiment he said well if if it doesn't include these things it's only an, a simulation and in actual fact i think Jeez, the, yeah, the that's whole quite interesting to think of yeah the whole outcome of this quote-unquote experiment was more of a simulation than anything yeah, else Yeah, they were simulating a weird kind of hierarchy tribalism exactly that's so weird. i mean essentially what happened is that the power given to the gods Went was to their heads. <laughs> completely like overwhelmed them, yeah. and they decided to start sort of being um, abusive with this power that they got. Yeah. But I think the most uncomfortable part is like you keep reminding yourself like these are students; mm. these are just your average run-of-the-mill students. You know, all they've been done is given a title. Yeah, guys, yeah. guys in their twenties. Um, but also, the worst kind. they <laughs> really. <laughs> But they really stripped the prisoners of, like, dignity, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, they made them, they put them in these little, like, tunic dress thingies. Oh, yeah. With, like, no underwear or anything. They would lock them up in in the hole for just, like, talking back, you know. And these guys were just harsh. I mean, they they would do stupid things just because they could. Mm. And essentially, like, the prisoners had severe anxiety and panic attacks and... I actually think after six days, it was they called it quits yeah. um, with this study because essentially one of the prisoners had like a complete meltdown and was like banging against the door and like trying to get out. And I mean, even two days in, the prisoners were trying to hatch an escape plan. Yeah, and it it wasn't it stopped being about you know this study funny thing, and it was more this about let's study. get out. It became yeah. an actual prison. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. It's and it's kind of a comment on what actually makes a prison. Is it the bars or is it or is just it the people? Is it the know? people? Yeah, and that's flipping weird. It was, it was a bizarre movie to also watch because you felt like so sorry for these guys mm. um, that were sort of going through this, and you could see that there was just a select few of these uh, guards that essentially just had these um, sort of superiority complexes. Mm. And um, just, just took it out on their, their peers, literally their peers. It was people they were studying with, you know. Yeah. And the fact that nothing really stopped them, I think, was quite shocking to me. Because, I mean, they just they just went way too far. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, like, 
ethical questions around the whole thing. Obviously, people were in quite a bit of uproar um, after this, but it's recently come out that um, the recordings and stuff they found that weren't published, apparently the guards were actually coached to be unkind. Yeah. And um, to diminish there, there, them. there was some sort of sort of purpose to this simulation. It wasn't all just, you yeah, know. Yeah, what was the point of it? Why did they conduct it? What so was the, the hope, the hypothesis? I think I think it was more to see, like, society's influence um, on human behavior. Like, what labeling does, what um, these sorts of roles do for human behavior. Yeah. If, if it's, you know, human behavior can still be maintained yeah. no matter what, or... If something as simple as a, a label and a role that you're playing mm. can influence the way you treat other people, the yeah. way you act. I think the bizarre thing about that is it's kind of like no shit. Of yeah. course, <laughs> of course, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't think you needed a study for that. I think what would have been a bit more interesting is if they said, OK, you're all meant to be a positive thing mm. or you're meant to be uh, kind or caring or something like that. Mm. Th- I think that would have been a bit more interesting that kind of plays against human nature yeah uh, yeah whereas this kind of played into it he was kind of just setting himself up for success i suppose i mean i don't think anyone saw that going well uh, everyone would have seen that going badly yeah um it's just quite interesting that he went that way i i think what i took away from this was how unestablished <laughs> the study was because i mean he got funded by the u.s navy to do this study. Oh, that sounds about right. Essentially, he just put together this simulation that he was like, oh, well, this will be, you know, fun to watch play out. That's essentially what it it came to be in the end. Yeah. That he, and he even had, uh, said in an interview a couple of years later. It's like later, a weird sick fantasy. Yeah, and he said, like, he, he felt less like a, um, you know, study conductor or less a, like a, a flippin scientist. psychologist or scientist. Yeah. And more of a prison warden. Yeah. And I was like, but you he have probably to thought main- of himself as like some sort of puppet master. <laughs> but you have to maintain some sort of control. You have to, you know, be in control of your study in order to get accurate results. Otherwise, you're just letting... Yeah, unless your study's whole point is to see how it unfolds. Yeah. I mean, his whole thing was that he didn't want to control it. He wanted to leave it, leave it up to human nature, human essentially. Nature, yeah. um, but again you're predisposing them to a certain environment. I mean, people know what prisons are, people know what prisoners are, people know why prisoners are in prisons, people know why prison guards are the way they are. I mean, yeah, you have so many flipping different archetypes for it. It was bound to happen. It's a very weird study. It's very strange. No one would have seen that and been like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. I'm flummoxed. (laughs) Let's see how, (laughs) I I think, I think they're all going to be best friends by the end. No. That's not going to happen. Not at all. It just won't. So the thing is, I don't even see this as like a complete flop Hmm. because I definitely think it speaks more to like why we have ethics in place. I, for one, did not enjoy applying for ethics ever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's quite a process and you have to really go through a lot of um, intense thoughts and planning and a lot of paperwork to make sure that what you're doing and the data you're actually getting is worth getting. Not only worth getting, but that the data you're using is not at the expense of someone else. Exactly, yeah. 
But, I mean, in the sense of worth getting, I mean, why do a study if you're just going to be like, oh, you know, it's just to find out Mm. this, you know? Why do you need to know that? What what sort of, like, secondary use could this data have, you know? Yeah. Um, Like an ancillary use. No, of course. And... I mean, what what does the study actually say about yeah. society that we shouldn't label people, we shouldn't give people roles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it it just I don't know it it it's, it was a very bizarre movie, and well, it, as I say, it became very uncomfortable to watch at a stage because yeah. I was like, I felt like I was watching just students take advantage of each other, you know? Yeah. It was very sad. Well, I mean, if nothing, the study gave us a, a pretty good dramatization. In no, modern of times. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I also watched a movie mm-hmm. um, outside of our viewing. and uh, I think we should probably say that we're uh, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, and we, we live together. We've been together for like eight years. We're not yeah. married. No. We don't have kids. We don't no. have a, a pet. Oh, shit. No. We can talk about the pet eventually <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I'm able to talk about it again. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we're a couple. Yeah, I just thought this would be fun. Yeah. But a movie that I watched without you, we don't often watch movies without one another, but we probably will start with this. Um, watching a yeah, it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, a movie that I watched was, um, I think it was called Discovering Black Holes. Uh, I it saw was that on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, so it was recently put on there. And you remember the black hole image that NASA released, I think it was last year? Mm. Um, it was essentially on how they made that, uh, oh how wow. they composited that image. And it was bizarre how they went mm. about it. It is insane. They went into, uh, I think probably the most jarring thing of it was how far this thing was, mm. um, how far away it was from the Earth. And they use these things called astrological units, yeah. which is essentially the distance the Earth is from the Sun. That's an astrological unit. Okay. And that's a good way to kind of interpret our solar system. But then they start scaling it back um, in like a grid-like pattern. Yeah. And then they show our solar system and then the arm of the galaxy that we're in. And then the center of our galaxy, which was Sagittarius A, I think that's the black hole Mm -hmm. in the center of our galaxy. And they were trying to measure that. Then one just after it, which was M87. Yeah, Which is a supermassive black hole. Yeah. And it's so large that despite the fact that I think it's like a thousand times further away than Sagittarius A, mm. it appears around the same size in the sky. Jeez. So that's how large it is. Um, but obviously the, the distance is just insane. But the whole breakdown of how they did it was bizarre. I don't know how mm. you managed to do that. It was obviously a planet-sized telescope, radio telescope. And they all had to wait on perfect weather guys in spain guys in the south pole guys in uh, america alaska i think uh, mexico all over the world yeah and they all had to wait for perfect weather for i think it was five or six nights in a row that they had to have good weather so that they could essentially uh, record the night sky and do these deep scans essentially Mm -hmm. using their their radio telescopes i'm probably butchering the jargon but like Mm. essentially that's what it was and then obviously they had all the hard drives backed up with this data mm. that they had. And 
then they had to fly that to a central location to kind of decrypt it essentially and, and rearrange it and mm. compile it and then composite it. That was petabytes. It was the petabytes. It was the most uh, data intensive scientific study ever conducted ever. Oh, I can imagine. Um, and how they actually composed the image was actually very interesting. They had you've probably seen the picture of that that girl by a table. And then she's standing next to all those oh, hard drives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, was, that was the scientist who actually uh, took the pictures. No, no, no. So everyone took the pictures, essentially. All of oh, these, okay, these okay. telescopes took the pictures. But she, I think she was just ahead of it. She just seemed like the head of one yeah, of the teams yeah. to do it. But you've seen her. Mm, and um, yeah, it goes into her whole team's thing and how they went about trying to compose this image. And essentially what they did was they did almost like a blind composition. So they took, I think it was six teams or so, mm. and then they gave each of them the data and said, try and compose the best image you can. Mm. Um, because they didn't want anyone to influence anyone else. They wanted mm. their, their image to be as consistent as possible. Wow. Yeah, so they said I couldn't even, they basically couldn't talk to each other about it for however long it took to compose. Mm. Essentially what happened was they all compared their data and they all found that all of them were fairly consistent. Like some looked sure. a bit stranger than others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some almost looked like a honeycomb of that image. Yeah. But the one that was shown was essentially the one most consistent with uh, what they determined to be like a baseline. Yeah, that's that's what led to that that image. Wow. It's it's insane. It's the first first image ever of something that was only existing in theory. Bizarre. <laughs> Obviously, I work in microbiology. So I look at tiny little things all the time. And I mean, we have even struggled to see things on things on like atomic level. Hmm. And now we're looking at things that are like atmospheric units big. No, astrolo astrological units big. Oh, did I say atmospheric? <laughs> atmospheric units. <laughs> I mean, astrological units big. Not even that. Like An astrological units is still too small to measure. They use light years. It's, it's insane. So like Sagittarius A... I think was like, was it 37,000 light years away? Mm. And then uh, M83 was uh, 37 million light years away. Jeez. So hugely vast distances. But also the other interesting thing was alongside this, um, what was happening was obviously Stephen Hawking, he passed away, I think 2017, 2018. At the same time this was happening, they were working on kind of the physics of a black hole. And you remember we watched uh, that black hole video the other day mm. on Kurzgesagt, mm -hmm. and that essentially said that there's a, a, an information paradox with black holes, whereas essentially they they reduce everything that enters them into the same thing, and there's no history of what they were. Yeah. So that's a paradox because essentially nothing works in that way besides a black hole. Yeah. There's always evidence of what something was. There's a history of it. There's a a physical diary of what it was or a physical timeline of what yeah. it was and they said that this is potentially uh, false so they started trying to prove using theoretical physics mm -hmm. that black holes do encode this data somehow and what they came to was that essentially was that on the event horizon on that like sphere essentially mm -hmm. that dark sphere is where they encode information that passes through it so if you can picture it like a a ball, a black ball. And then the way they interpreted it was that there was these ripples on it, almost like a topographical map. Mm. And that if, say, something that was star-shaped fell into the black hole, it would leave an imprint 
that were star-shaped. I think, yeah. I'm not sure if it's partly because there's that whole thing of light takes forever to actually disappear. Mm. Because once you go into it, you leave behind your own shadow, essentially, mm. which will take millennia to disappear. Mm. I'm not sure if it's that or if literally it encodes whatever is in it on its surface as its surrounding. I don't know. I think I think it's more of a case of, I mean, because light acts, you know, as a wave. Mm. But because of the density of the, the black hole, essentially the, the wave cannot be sort of transmitted as it usually is. So it kind of just remains, like hangs there. Yeah, it essentially leaves a, a watermark on the surface of it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how on earth they were actually figuring it out, but they were using some principle of like, or a term called 12J. Mm. And I think what they were doing was they were using some kind of simulation or calculation or something to see if 12J remained after they ran some calculation. And I think it did. So they found a way to prove that uh, not all information is lost in a black hole, but instead is encoded on its surface. Mm. Um, But what happens after that, they don't know. So why does it encode like that who knows but uh, yeah they've essentially proved that whatever goes through it is there is a record of it which they didn't think was possible they thought before it just ceased to exist there was no record it ever existed i wonder how you even come up with the theory of black holes like well it was so otherworldly essentially it was i think they got so far into mathematics that Uh, they briefly go into it Mm. and they said that there were certain problems that were confounding essentially Mm. they couldn't they couldn't reconcile what this error was with traditional mathematics so this entity which became a black hole this was essentially the the obstacle in their way and it was something that was theorized that was there confounding all of this mathematics yeah yeah so i think that's kind of how it worked there was something so extreme that it actually broke certain things wow. you eventually work with infinity enough you start realizing that there's things of infinite mass infinite density mm. not infinite mass but infinite density that actually it actually makes sense that it was potentially a mathematical problem that was that like okay well it was a ma- mathematical problem yeah. that was unresolved because they were missing something mm. they were missing like a literal black hole <laughs> yeah potentially which is insane so i mean th- they potentially weren't even like looking at the sky they were looking at numbers on a page yeah that's completely how it was done so uh, i crazy. think i think the first visual evidence of a black hole was i can't remember it was a telescope yes yeah it was a telescope mm. that they used and um they pointed at a certain region and then they took uh photos of the night sky over a certain period of time and this looked deep, deep into the galaxy. Um, I think they were trying to look into the center. And what they found was that over a period of days, what had happened was you were finding that there was a group of stars, I think it was three stars, mm. that were moving and orbiting far faster than anything around them. So they started wondering what on earth was causing these stars to move so quickly as opposed to the ones around them that were in relatively the same vicinity. Mm. And what they found was that when these stars rotated it was almost they were rotating around a certain axis their light yeah yeah um or at least it wasn't the stars it was the light and they found that the light was being refracted and bent by a black hole so they actually see these stars were creating an arrow towards the black hole mm. because it was distorting the light so much eventually all these stars 
collapsed onto one another into one single image Jesus. because it bent all their light into one yeah, place. Yeah. So that's kind of how they saw it for the first time. It is insane. It is it's, completely it's insane. It's difficult to wrap your head around, it's, actually. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's almost beyond <laughs> cognition. I mean, theoretical vis- physics as a whole is, it's literally like listening to someone talking about some like bizarre fairy tale. Yeah. The- theoretical physics like, is almost what? like the philosophy of mathematics. Yes. <laughs> which is insane. Like philosophy like, in general is like hard to swallow. Yeah. And like hard to grasp. Yeah. But then imagine philosophy of an abstract concept. It's so bizarre. It is so bizarre. It's insane. That that documentary was very, very good though. I'd actually like to watch that. It was super stage. good. Should we give our recommendations for the week? Something good that you've oh, yeah. come across and you'd like to recommend? I think what we can re- recommend, what we'll try and do is recommend something that we enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, in the week or something that we enjoy in general and uh, recommend that for viewership or listenership until the next or time. Readership. Yeah, or readership. Probably in your case, readership. Mm-hmm. Recommend it, and then potentially we'll see about talking about it the next time, like just briefly mm. in the beginning, just so that we can kind of follow on. Yeah, but for this week, it should be Bo Burnham's Inside. Oh, yes, definitely. On Netflix. Definitely. Yeah, so Bo Burnham, the comedian, his Netflix special, Inside, was wonderful. It was really good. It was so, so good. And I don't, I don't like... Yeah. Comedy. You don't enjoy comedy. I don't enjoy comedy. Yeah. Um, I find it quite uh, abrasive. Yeah, and it just doesn't. It really doesn't. Your least me. favorite genre. It's my least favorite genre. Yeah. But I will say, in all honesty, Bo Burnham's Inside. I was initially thinking, oh my word, how am I going to sit through like an hour <laughs> and forty minutes of this? Of this dude. And um, and it's like a comedy special. Yes. And I was like, oh, I don't know, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think we've actually watched back sections of it a couple of times i um, have <laughs> yeah and and it, it like sticks with you yes it's got a very good message throughout i think and um yeah, it a good message a but lot a, of themes. a kind of sad message as well i'd say yeah. we won't we won't go too much into yeah, it. yeah we won't go but too much into it yeah i do enjoy comedy actually i feel like i've i've grown to kind of <laughs> uh, i don't know modern comedy geez it can it can uh, yeah. it can eat shit sometimes, <laughs> but his his comedy has always been very very good. Probably because of how meta it is, yeah, and how self aware he is. Too self aware, which is kind of what he touches on. Mm. But yeah, genuinely from a cinematography point of view, holy damn, that was a a fantastically filmed yeah. special. I mean, and just filmed by himself. A very very creative guy. Yeah. Someone who's I I cannot wait till his next movie comes out. No, definitely. Because eighth grade was brilliant. And yeah. yeah, this was brilliant. So yeah. we'll see the next one. But uh, I, I think that's a good recommendation. That is a good recommendation. Yeah. Bo Burnham's yeah. Inside. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting, Ross. No, oh, this word. has actually been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been so fun. <laughs> Can't wait yeah. to never do it again. <laughs> we'll put it out into the ether and see what what shouts back what comes about yeah we'll see how at it some goes. stage we'll give like contact details so we can get some like feedback or, or suggestions questions. or if we're just idiotic about something some yeah, criticism let us know yeah um yeah but we're open to questions i'm keen 
Give me science questions. I'm keen. Okay, we are. We have to see if <laughs> there's even a listenership. You know what? Even if it's one person that's like, oh, you're yeah, actually, this, yeah. I don't that's even care. That's bizarre. One more person. That actually, that's insane. I to literally think about. just need one person to be like, <laughs> hey, to validate Sarah, me. It's probably literally going to be like one of our friends or oh, like, yeah, actually. who have we told about this? <laughs> I've told one person. I think I may have. I haven't even told my parents. Ugh, who cares? It's fine. Maybe it'll be my brother and yeah. he'll be like, what up? <laughs> Can I be on? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> First guest, no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have guests. No, yeah. we don't have guests. We're our guest, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're enough personality for all, <laughs> we all of the guests. <laughs> we entertain ourselves, bitch. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Alrighty. So, signing off and we'll catch you next time. Bye.